The following is a podcast from St. George's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. We invite you to support the ministries of St. George's Church through a one-time or reoccurring donation. To give, visit our webpage, www.stgeorgeschurch.org. The word saint is spelled in full. St. George's is a vibrant and inclusive community that is committed to loving God, serving others, and changing the world. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear Lord God, we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When Ephraim was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more I called him, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. The prophet Hosea envisions God as a heartsick parent, remembering their rebellious son when he is still a little boy, teaching him to walk, holding him closely, keeping him safe, and most of all, loving him with abandon. Any of us here today who has ever loved a child this way can relate to this metaphor as a parent, as a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, a foster parent, anyone who has nurtured and tended a child so completely. 
we would do anything for this child that we love. And we understand the depth of God's hurt now that this young man has rejected God's love and turned away from the path of life and taken a path of destruction. And God is not only hurt and disappointed, but God is angry, and understandably so. How could Israel, the people God has covenanted with, you will be my people and I will be your God, how can this people so intimately connected to God turn away and run after false gods? The heartbreak is palpable. Hosea is writing during a time of social, political, and religious upheaval and fragmentation. The northern kingdom of Israel is feeling the pressure, intense pressure, as the threat of a foreign entity, Assyria, that their aggression is looming large and they're about to attack. And instead of remaining true to who they are in the face of this pressure, they're forsaking their beliefs, their long-held beliefs, and they are putting their trust in bad political alliances and worshiping false idols. Hosea is calling them to repentance. When you think about this, this is the arc of the whole biblical witness. God loves us passionately. God creates us in God's own image, and yet we reject God's love and fail to honor God's image in others. Through the prophets, God calls us to repent and return to the path of life that God has shown us. God even sends Jesus, his own likeness, to be with us, to guide us on the way of salvation. This story repeats itself over and over and over again in the scriptural narrative and in each of our lives. God loves us. God loves us. And yet we are wayward people. And God speaks to us boldly to return over and over again. This past Wednesday, our National Cathedral released a bold statement that is very much rooted in the biblical prophetic tradition that we are a part of this morning. The call to repent and return to what we know is good and true and life-giving. The Right Reverend Marianne Buddy, the Bishop of Washington, the Rary Reverend Randy Hollerith, Dean of the Cathedral, and Canon Theologian Kelly Brown Douglas issued a statement entitled, Have We No Decency? A Response to President Trump. This is an excerpt. I encourage you to read the entire statement online if you haven't already. It says in part this, we have come to accept a level of insult and abuse in political discourse that violates each person's sacred identity as a child of God. We have come to accept as normal a steady stream of language and accusations coming from the highest office in the land that plays to the racist elements in our society. Make no mistake about it, words matter. And Mr. Trump's words are dangerous. When does silence become complicity? What will it take for all of us 
to say with one voice that we have had enough. The question is less about the president's sense of decency, but about ours. Our sense of decency as a people. This is indeed a bold statement. It's not a political statement. It's not about whether we vote Republican or Democrat. It's about the church's prophetic role as the conscience of our nation, something that the great leaders of the civil rights movement reminded us of in the 1960s. It's about the fact that the very fabric of our life together is being torn apart by hatred, intolerance, racism, and xenophobia. Our corporate soul is in peril, and we are called as people of faith to bear witness to the dignity of every human being and to call our leadership to account. In his book entitled The Soul of America, The Battle for Our Better Angels, Pulitzer Prize-winning author and presidential historian and our fellow Episcopalian, I might add, John Meacham, traces the vicissitudes of our national psyche over the course of our history and describes this constant tension throughout our history of striving to become our best corporate self and devolving into our worst. He says this, extremism, racism, nativism, and isolationism driven by fear of the unknown tends to spike in periods of economic and social stress, a period very much like our own. So Meacham reminds us that we have been through similar times before, not exactly like the time that we're in right now, but there are resonances with our past. The internment of Japanese Americans during World War II is one of the many shameful examples. And even though we live in a very different social context, the, the human condition really hasn't changed very much since the time of Hosea, when you really think about it. He too was writing during a period of great national stress. It's a universal problem. When we human beings have a perception of scarcity, we tend to go inward and become fearful. When we have an awareness of abundance rooted in God's provision, it propels us outward and it helps us to feel hopeful. We have a choice. We always have a choice about how we respond to challenge and adversity. Are we going to be resilient and true to our identity and our values as children of God? Or are we going to debase ourselves by demeaning others and failing to call our leaders to account for forsaking our values and using dehumanizing language. My prayer for our nation this morning is that we as people of faith and that all people of goodwill will claim our voice as one and say, no, this is unacceptable language. We will not tolerate this devaluing of groups of people within our society. We are one people. 
in his book, Meacham makes the excellent point that ultimately we are looking not for political leadership. We are looking for moral leadership, leadership that will bring people together during challenging times rather than driving us further apart, leaders who will seek the common good and hold fast to our values. We do indeed live in perilous times, and we are called, especially as people of faith, to stand up and speak out. And we're also called to always remember to be hopeful that we can make a difference in this world with God's help. Hosea reminds us that God never, ever forsakes us. How can I give you up? O Ephraim, how can I hand you over, O Israel? They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion, and I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. The love that God has for all God's children is an everlasting love, but not a sentimental love. It's a love that roars like a fierce lion. It's a bold, courageous, challenging love that calls us home, calls us to come to our senses, freeing us from fear and restoring us to our best selves. People who love God and love their neighbor as their self. Amen. <laughs>